Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. We are just back from stage race mountain biking, which I think, you know, I may be biased, but I think is the best type of, of racing there is. Yeah. And you know what? I got to say, I don't know that you and I are particularly good at the whole van life concept because when we realized we could get home by 1 a.m. instead of taking like another night and day to get home, we were instantly like, obviously, we're going to do that. So I'm I'm not sure how good we are at this whole thing I don't know if it yet. was the night in the van as much as the getting home. It's true. The morning, know. morning at home. Because yeah, we have a quick turnaround here. I'm heading away for some coaching courses uh, on the other side of Canada. So yeah, no, I think it, I think it was, I would have been okay sleeping another night. Yeah, actually quite comfortable, but that's probably an episode for another time. Right. Uh, we, we did get a, a bigger van. DW required a slightly larger vehicle to bounce around in. So we finally upgraded a little bit, but anyway, that's actually, yeah, I was going to say that's neither here nor there, but I actually blame today's guest for the fact that we have a bigger van because I would say Megley Rochette's like racing setup, her trailer and stuff has always just looked so good and so cool. And I've loved every time I've gotten to go in there to interview her. Right. And I think it gave me a little bit of envy for the uh, the van life situation. And of course, Megley is World Cup winning cyclocross racer, also, uh, you know, accomplished mountain bike racer. Uh, yeah, so many different You may know palmares. her uh, from CX Fever. I wearing the shirt coincidentally right now which you is actually are yeah you did not, <laughs> not mean ad, to put that on yeah it's one of my favorite teachers i had it actually for quite some time it's worn very well mm -hmm. um, so yeah yeah she also has the fever talk podcast now where she's talking about all things cyclocross uh what i've always loved about megaly and we talk a little bit about this in the episode with her today uh, i love that she always has sort of some project that she's working on in tandem with her racing it's not that she goes all in on these side projects at the expense of her racing. Racing is always sort of top priority for her, but she does do these really unique, fun projects sort of within the sport that I've always really admired. And she really just kind of leans into whatever the interest is. She was doing, you know, some more photography type stuff a couple of years ago. And then, you know, she was running this website, uh, the faces of cyclocross, I think was the, the name of it, where she was talking to the people sort of behind the scenes. I was actually interviewed on it. Uh, and now she has the podcast and yeah, she's just kind of always doing interesting, stuff so I think that's what makes her kind of one of the most fun racers to interview and I mean this season on the note of doing interesting stuff she basically went from cyclocross worlds directly into mountain bike season uh, because then mountain bike racing started pretty early in North America and South America I guess actually because the first world cup was down in Brazil so she went down for that um, so she kind of jumped right into mountain biking but then also some gravel racing also some bike packing uh, and we talk about whether or not that was all a good idea necessarily. And she's actually kind of on a bit of a hiatus, right? The second to start prepping for cyclocross because yes, it is August 1st as we're recording this, which means cross is officially coming. Yeah, I guess so. I guess we got to get ready for that, don't we? <laughs> yeah. So we talk all about that, uh, you know, just all about how she's sort of figuring it all out, making the schedule for the season, reassessing and adjusting the schedule for the season, which is a pretty big thing. Uh, and so, some some goal setting stuff that I really liked. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, you know, sometimes it's whether it's planned or not, you know, sometimes there's this 
mid-season break or between season break that's hard to take you know it, especially in august you know there's still lots of races coming up i just saw you know we have a free weekend coming up and i saw there's another gravel event you know mm-hmm. this, and it's really tempting right it's not we have our race if you're going to race you know that episode's a couple uh episodes back and that seems to have gone over well people like it it's a strict rule it's not that strict but it, it's sometimes a, a a rule that's difficult right to give up you know the, it's the fomo i guess is what i'm trying for to say sure, yeah. yeah we're missing out on these fun races and i'd say Magalie is definitely a race if you're going to race kind of person i've seen her uh, we talk about this at belgian waffle ride i think we even mentioned it on podcast after i came back from belgian waffle ride she had just a ridiculous amount of like mechanical and crash and off course and just all of these things. She ended up doing, I think, 40 extra miles that day, but still finished. And also right. it was still like sixth or seventh. Uh, so, you know, that that was pretty impressive. But watching her, you know, her, her partner, David, was there. He could have picked her up at any time. She didn't have to finish the race, but she definitely has that mindset. of. It's good to highlight that, too. I mean, I saw, you know, Nino Scherter crashed, I think, in the World Cup short track mountain bike race this past weekend. We're, we're on the first weekend of August in 2022. Uh, you know, this is the winningest uh, mountain biker. You know, he had a bad weekend. He he couldn't start on the Sunday, the main event, you know, the cross country, right? And then Megaly got lost. Mm-hmm. She had mechanicals. You know, she kept slugging it out and finished, right? Because I mm-hmm. think we that's part of race. If you're going to race, you get to the finish line. You know, well, the only way out is the finish line. And, you know, unless someone tells you to stop or, you know, you need to stop for medical reasons. And then there was another one I thought that just came up. Uh, oh, how how's Vanderpool? How did he do in the... This is a random thing I had to pick on. I always like to find when Vanderpool doesn't do well because it seems like he's always. Oh, he there. had a terrible Tour de France. Yeah, I think he might have won though. And didn't he win like a stage? I actually couldn't tell no, you I don't because know what... I was very okay. busy covering the well, Tour de France. What Was there stories in that? Yeah, uh, Tour de France Femmes of X Swift. So cool. Uh, you can go back and watch the replays or the highlights on Flow Bikes in Canada. Um, I believe NBC or Peacock app in the U.S. Yeah. And it got exciting in the last two stages. There was mountain stages. I mean, it was exciting in all the stages, Peter. I don't know what you're Best talking Best cyclist of all time, Mariana Voss. Was leading uh, for the first six. So spoiler alert to anyone who didn't watch. Um, honestly, if you didn't watch, go back and watch some of the highlights. If for nothing else, other than to just show you know show nbc show all of these stations that people actually really do care about these women's races uh because i think like they everyone kept talking about how they're surprised at how high viewership numbers were which is amazing like that's just awesome because that means you know we're probably going to get more like this is great uh so yeah just a really fun week i got to do a lot of coverage for bicycling magazine so bicycling.com to see all of our tour de france femmes content and your women peeing article continues to be a highlight article it was mentioned in the coverage of the tour de france (laughs) along with your name so kudos on that but people haven't checked out this bicycling article about how women pee during the tour de france yeah, and also, side note, we do have that exact same article. Um, so this article apparently created a ton of like Instagram memes and controversy and all this stuff that I actually haven't really seen because I've been pretty offline all weekend other than watching the race. Um, but yeah, it's funny because bicycling and a bunch of other cycling sites have how the men pee during the tour, and no one has ever once mentioned those articles as anything. But as soon as we have an article about how women pee, and this is written by me, a woman, after interviewing a few women about how peeing goes in races and was edited by a woman, just putting that all out there. Um, and yeah, it's it's just really funny how uncomfortable people still are with the fact that women uh, pee, I guess. So yeah, there, there was that. That was an interesting one. And it was just a really fun article, to be honest. Um, so yeah, anyway, 
uh, before we get into this episode with Megley Rochette, now that I'm like blushing from from talking about that, I, I'll tell you. Talking about peeing. Talking about peeing. Oh, yeah, okay. I did not expect that article to okay. be as uh, viral as it has been, which is just very, very strange. Okay. So before we get into Megley, then, but people should check out this article again because it's been going over well. Uh, <laughs> you might be curious as well, as many people surely are. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, before we get into Megalee, we'll get into all her good tidbits about goal setting and cyclocross season and getting ready uh, for that. Uh, we do have our show sponsor for today. Yes, we have AG1 by Athletic Greens. And I will tell you this past week, I admit, I actually missed a day or two of getting to to take it. We even had the travel packs with us. Yeah, what a week to miss. I know, right? And I still managed to miss it. And it's hard to say that I felt anything different. I'm not going to say like, oh, yes, I one day I skipped and magically I feel totally different. But actually, I did feel different because I wasn't hydrating as much in the morning because we were at a stage race where they were serving breakfast. We were going straight to breakfast to try to get in line early. So I just was not drinking water in the morning, period. Uh, and I definitely noticed it. Um, and yeah, I'm very happy to be back to back to my routine of having my AG1 in the morning, whether it's travel packs or just scooping it into the, the glass at home. And I found definitely I used it uh, in the morning as well as I was racing. I'm a picky eater, I guess you could describe me. So, you know, a lot of times at these more, uh, I don't know, like public, like the food was great, but I'm just a picky eater. Uh, so it's my fault. Uh, but you know, it's just nice to have that in the morning and, you know, then I'm, you know, because there isn't often, you know, you're not eating as much vegetables anyhow, right. Regardless of how good the food is, right. It might be that there's not, you know, you're just not pounding big salads before you go out and ride a Mm -hmm. mountain bike three days in a row really hard. Yeah. And for the picky eaters, uh, we will say AG1 is both it's keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, so pretty and, much... And it tastes pretty good. And it tastes pretty good. Yeah, I keep saying it's like a vanilla papaya vibe, which I, I, I don't really... I think you change the flavor every no, week. I don't I've... think the flavor changes. <laughs> I've been saying... It's an like, evolving flavor. Yeah, it, my palate is evolving. Okay. It's like a vanilla-y, citrusy, papaya-y, I don't know. It's, cool. It's really tasty. And then NSF, so third-party certification always with our supplements. We want to be careful that what's in it is what they say is in it. So, of course, that third-party... Uh, helps uh, guarantee that yes and of course uh, you know we obviously it's called athletic greens but it contains way more than just greens it's all of your your superfoods but also all of your vitamins minerals probiotics prebiotics and adaptogens so it really just kind of has everything all in one supplement so you don't really need to mess with a whole cabinet full which is great when you know you don't have a lot of cabinet space where you are uh, or you just don't want to spend hundreds of dollars a month or hours and hours of your time trying to figure out what the heck to take so Super simple, and if you want to get in on this, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. So all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Molly H because consummate was too hard to spell. So that's athleticgreens.com backslash Molly H to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We highly, highly recommend it. And I mean, I've said it before, uh, you know, I actually buy this for my parents. We've given it to Peter's dad. So this is something that we, we genuinely believe in here. So with all of that said, let's finally get into this episode with the awesome one and only Magalie Rochette. Enjoy. Magalie, welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm so excited we're finally getting to do this. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here too. Of course. So you've had like a bit of a a whirlwind. I mean, I was going to say last month, but uh, last like eight months, let's say. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 
I mean, I was about to start trying to even like list out everything that you've done. And I actually was writing it out this morning. And then I just like gave up because it was just so many things. Cyclocross worlds into mountain bike, into uh, all the gravel stuff, back into mountain bike, into gravel stuff, into this like nine day thing in Iceland. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And now a a bit of an an enforced break, we're going to say. So Mm -hmm. how the heck has it been? (laughs) It's been, (laughs) it's been good. Um, It's been good, really fun, a lot of excitement, a lot lot of low points as well. And I think at the end of it all, like a a lot of reflection on it all. Like it was the first time that I did things that differently in the summer. Um, And I've learned a lot. Uh, It it is not how I envisioned it. But it was, I mean, yeah, but it's not all bad. Like a lot of things I discovered that ended up being like amazing to me, you know, Uh, a lot of things ended up being not as cool as I expected. Um, But yeah, if I go back, I mean, if if you want me to dig into it, like I'm happy to share like all that that happened. But um, yeah, once Cyclocross Worlds ended, I was so motivated. I think it's because... I really enjoyed getting ready for that world. Like it was so much excitement and it was at home and I had been dreaming about that for so long. So I really got sucked into the preparation. I had one of the best shape of my life, but I came up short on my goal on race day um, for various reasons. I think honestly, like I did one of my best performances, but I did some big mistakes that made me uh, not have the results that, that I wanted to. And I think, as much as I was disappointed about that result, I ended up being seventh in the end and fighting for the top five. But what I wanted was a podium. And I missed that like by having a really bad start being last position after like a few minutes. So anyway, really good performance, but came up short and I was really disappointed. But at the same time, like the next day I woke up and I was like, can I try again? Like, I was just, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I just had this feeling that like, I really love this. Like, I want to, I want to try again. Like, what if, what if like the race was just a tiny bit difference? What if I don't make that mistake? What can happen? And that, that turned into motivation for me. I was like, I I just love this and I want to do more of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so normally after cyclocross worlds, I take about a month where I'm not really training or at least like two weeks with zero and then super easy, whatever feels good. But this time I went straight to Tucson um, and I took a few days off. Like I visited, I, I kind of drove back in a road trip with my mom. So I took a few days off, but then, then I was like, I want to go again. Like, let's put all our eggs on the mountain bike basket now and like try to use the form that I already have and like build up to do well at mountain bike. Mm-hmm. Um, Had you planned before that to do mountain bike or was that a bit of like a not last minute but like quick decision no no I had planned on it Um, that's what I thought yeah 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 yeah. I had planned on it but yeah I mean I I just I think I had planned on taking a bigger break but since I was so like motivated and pretty fit at that point I'm like let's just go um so yeah I went into mountain biking didn't go it went fine like the first one I went to Brazil and it was okay I won the cactus cup I did I had some mechanical problems at the Arkansas races, but I won the short track. So I'm like, oh, like I'm doing okay. 
Um, then I went into some gravel races um, and did good there. But then I started being really tired. <laughs> I was going to say, what point do you remember? Like what race it kind of yeah. started? To... <laughs> I remember. Um, so like getting to Paris doing Gasser was like a total whirlwind, but I got there and I felt amazing in the race. I'm like, that's good. But then Rasputitsa is the one, like, I, I remember like that was a week after Paris and Gasser. And I, I love this race. I love the people there, but I was so cracked. I'm like, I don't want to, like, I, I want to go, but I don't want to race. I'm just like too tired, but I did the race. I didn't go well. And then after that, I was already scheduled to go to Europe for, for some races. So I'm like, well, I can't, I'm committed to that. Like I can't not go. Um, so I went, but honestly, I didn't even finish the first world cup. I was just so cracked and I was not moving at all. So that was the first blow. But after that, I did take a break um, for like, I, I, I had planned to take like 10 days, 12, 10 to 12 days, two weeks, but I ended up needed needing like three weeks off. Um, and then, yeah, then I started again. I saw you at a Belgian waffle ride, which was awesome. Yep. Uh, and then like my momentum was like going good. Like I was starting to get fit again and training well. I mean, uh, let's just say like Belgian waffle ride. Like, I mean, I know, you, you know, you actually, I wrote down what you said on Instagram. You, you had this note of like one minute into the race. I considered not racing. I considered quitting again, six hours into the race. And you finished like, technically you finished an hour and a half down, but <laughs> like the speed that you were going to make up for everything that happened in that race. And I'm going to have you explain it in a second. Yeah. Like, you were flying in that race. Like your form was impeccable. And if, <laughs> if, the, if the day had gone differently, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really, I actually really enjoyed that. It was so cool. Like I, I, I was scared of that race before getting into it because it was longer than what I'm used to. Um, but I mean, yeah, it started and like one minute into the race, someone crashed in front of me. So I crashed too, but my disc, my front disc bent. And so my front wheel wouldn't even turn like half a turn, you know? So I'm like, crap, like I have, and then then the Peloton went away and I'm like, now I'm completely alone. My wheel doesn't turn, like now what? Um, And so it was like, do I even like, can I even do this? (laughs) And so I know it's like, you're not supposed to have external support, but at that point I'm like, it's either I came all the way to North Carolina for nothing for, for a hundred meters, or like I called David and he was already at the first feed zone, but I called him and I knew I had a set of wheel in the car. So I called him. I'm like, Hey, can you join me at the start? I crashed and like, <laughs> I'm here and I can't move. <laughs> I think when you're still at the start, it doesn't count as outside aid. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't think I, I didn't actually leave like the, the facilities, you, you know, like I was still in the start pen. I, I basically was. So I'm like, so he came, I just like waited on the side of the road. He came down and my hammerhead was still like counting the time, you know? So at, like at 15 minutes from the start, he arrived. We changed my disc and then I'm like, okay, well, I'm alone and I'm, I have a 209 kilometers to go now. So let's, let's go. <laughs> so I started and just like, it was cool though. I, I ended up being in such a good mindset. I think it's because I was rested at that point. So I'm like, let's just like one by one, one kilometer at a time. And I, I didn't allow myself to think further than the next feed zone. So I was just like, okay, kind of time trial to the next feed zone and then to the next and to the next. Cause like, if you see the 200 K in front, you're like, I'm never going to get there. <laughs> so I just like went one by one. And then I started picking up people pretty quickly, but I still couldn't ride with any of them because I mean, 
I was just going at a different speed. I was like picking up people and people and people. So, but that was kind of cool. Like it was motivating mm-hmm. to see people and pass people. And then like, I don't know, maybe like 70 K and David's like, okay, you're, you're 16 women. I'm like, okay. And then like the next feed zone, I'm like, he's like, oh, now you're 10. Then now you're seven. And at some point I made it to third and I'm like, oh my God, like, <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> but I really did feel good. And I was super focused and motivated. I didn't really see the time go by. Like when I was third, I was like six hours in, you know, mm-hmm. and then I finally caught someone, a guy with who I could ride because he also had mechanical problems. And we're like, yes, finally, like I can like draft and we can go fast together. That was like, awesome. So we kept going. And at some point there was, we, so for people who haven't done that race, like it's a big, big course, but inside this course, there's a loop that you do twice. But what's tricky is like you enter the loop at a different point at the the two times. So it's really hard to know when you've done the first loop and when you like, or like in which loop you are, you know, it's really, especially when you're like cross-eyed and exhausted. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. So like, there was a point, like we climbed a big mountain and then we were coming down really fast and it was like a T intersection. And there was a, there was a sign that says lap one on the left and lap two on the right. And so initially I, I thought I'm like, oh, I think we're still in lap one. So I tell tell my my two guys, I'm like, let's go left. And they're like, no, 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 we're starting the second lap. So let's go right. I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. And there was like a woman there. She said, like, yeah, everyone's going, like, you have to go right, like your second lap. So I'm like, oh, I mean, honestly, like both answers made sense, you know? Mm-hmm. So I turned right and then we kept going and like hammering because I was told that the second woman was just like a minute or two in front. So I was like hammering. I'm like, I'm going to like at this point, I'm trying to win, you know, which was not even in my world of possibility six hours earlier. So I'm like focus and we go and we go. And at some point and like we actually like go down like a gravel ride, gravel like descent for quite a while. And at some point, like I turn a corner and we start climbing and we climbing, we climb. And after like a couple of minutes, I tell the guy, I'm like, Hey, wait a second. Like, this is the last climb of the, of the course. I know because I pre-wrote it the, the, the day before. And he's like, yeah, this is not right. Like there's a few kilometers missing. And then I realized like, crap, we took the wrong turn and we've been riding 20 K in the wrong direction. <laughs> and so the guy is like, well, I'm done. I'm just riding home. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that sounds like what I want to do too. But, you know, I'm like, I actually don't have a good answer, a good reason to give up. You know, I'm, I'm like, I didn't want, I, I could, I didn't want to believe what happened. I'm like, I can't believe I have like another 20 K to go back uphill. So I'm like, okay, let's just, I'll flip it and keep going. But I was really discouraged by that point. And then I saw Flavia, which was who was the fourth woman. She did the same thing as me. So I saw her and I told her, like, turn around, like we're we're in the wrong direction. And thank God she was there, honestly, because we decided to ride together. We're like, okay, let's just make it together. And we finally made it. Uh, but God, it was long. Like it, I mean, think about it, like 210k is already long, but when you do 255, it's like even it's a long day. <laughs> Oh, I I was so discouraged, but then I finished and honestly, I felt so proud. Like I, even though I was so far down the wind, I had had such a good day and I was so proud of how I fought through all these challenges. And I mean, honestly, I, I surfed a high after that race for like 
quite a while. So I was like, I really enjoyed the experience, even though it wasn't what, you know, you would hope for a race. <laughs> Which I think is so important because I think so many people just assume that you really like, especially as a pro can only celebrate these like victory moments and like only the podiums are like the ones that like stand out as like these great races, but it's, I feel like a lot of the time it's actually like not the ones that kind of go smoothly. It's the ones where they don't go smooth and you push through it that like really stick with you. Absolutely. I mean, both, like if you do have like a really smooth ride and you, you surprise yourself with a result, like that's also something that it's so, it's so empowering because you're like, Oh my God, I didn't think I could do that. Um, But yeah, as you said, like those, I mean, it's really, that, that's when you realize it's not about the results. It's about like your own performance. And for me, that was a really strong performance, even though no one else could see it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but what was really interesting though, is even my sponsors, like, cause I write down like a little race recap after each race. And so many of my sponsors wrote to me after this race, like, Oh my God, that was so cool. Like, we're so proud of you. Good job. And like, I got so far down, I finished an hour and a half behind the first place, but it was cool to see that even for them, like the story is sometimes more important than the actual result. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a cool, cool experience for sure. I love that. And it's funny. I've actually thought about this a lot lately. Sometimes though, for me, like the smooth races, I actually end up kind of feeling almost at the end, I'm like, oh, well, could I have gone harder? Could I have done more? But then there's like really brutal ones. You're like, oh, I couldn't have done more. This is, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So no, it was cool. Um, yeah, but, but yeah, after that, I mean, if I continue my whirlwind of uh, spring and summer (laughs) (laughs) after that, I still had planned to race mountain bikes. Um, I, I, even though I, dropped out of the Albstadt World Cup I still thought okay like I'll focus on nationals and hopefully I can do well there and maybe the North American World Cups um now everyone is going to question the next decision that came but uh we saw I mean David and I were were at home we were doing like a lot of long tempo rides and we saw that Payson McKelvin was uh he did a post on Instagram saying that there was this race in Iceland called the West Fjords Way Challenge that he was supposed to go to, but he decided not to go. And so, I mean, David didn't even talk to me about it. He was just like looking at it online and he's like, oh, that looks really cool. And then he's like, hey, we have nothing those dates. Like, what do you think? We could, we could try that. And I'm like, I was like, so, I mean, I was still on the high of like that big ride in, in North Carolina, the Belgian waffle ride. So why not but, do it for nine days in a well, row? Well, it's so it's actually four days. Okay. We were there for longer, but it's four days in a row. So four days at 250k a day. Um, but in Iceland, like I'd never been there and it looks amazing. So we're like, why not? Like, and and here's why we decided to go. We we had nothing those days. We were still in the in like a long tempo rides block of training building towards cyclocross but that could also help for nationals and we're like I've always wanted to do stuff like that always like I I see people like Lael Wilcox or people doing like cool bikepacking trips and stuff and I've never I always told myself I'll do that when I retire when like the time will be better for it Uh, and I never allowed myself to to do anything like that to kind of drift away from the traditional training plan uh, because I thought like that's not what athletes do 
Um, but then recently I've been thinking like, actually, when I retire, like I won't start traveling for to ride my bike. And I mean, maybe, but not as much. And like, I'll have to pay for all of it. <laughs> like it's expensive. And it's just, I don't know, like we're, we just said, let's go. Like, let's just go. Well, and why can't you, right? Like it's sure the traditional training model is, you know, that, but I mean, A, I feel like you've never been super traditional and then B, I feel like the traditional model's changing anyway. Like we're, yeah. we're learning that a lot of it, like the men, the mental side matters too. So if yeah. that's going to make you happier and make you, you know, actually get through those huge rides in a better place. Yeah. Like why not? And absolutely. And at the end of the day, like if you ride 250 K a day, like that's training. Like, it's not like you're sitting on the couch doing nothing. So we thought, you know what, let's try it and, and we'll see. So we went there. It was absolutely amazing. Like really big days on the bike, but I loved every minute of it. Like I was riding and looking around and smelling and just like, just loving it, like loving life so much. And we came back from that. And honestly, I think uh, it would have been like a good thing for training, but then what happened is, um, our, what, what happens to everyone right now, like the traveling got so messed up, we skipped so many nights and then we got back and, uh, we both got COVID, which, uh, which kind of sucks, but, um, yeah. So then after that, we were kind of both, uh, disaster struck, if you want, like the COVID lasted for two weeks for me. Uh, and I'm finally back like now, like to yesterday, back to feeling good. So that was kind of a bummer. And that's why I'm not racing nationals now. And because I, I mean, I haven't been riding, riding much for the last two weeks. So it kind of threw a wrench in, in there, in our spokes, but at the same time, like what we've gained from that trip, I still would do it knowing what I know now that I could get sick and all of that. I would still do it because it was just such an amazing experience. And for me, a re- revelation of what cycling can be to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I love that. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it takes a mature racer though to, I mean, you got COVID two weeks ago, you mm-hmm. theoretically could have probably kept nationals on your schedule mm-hmm. and like been out here and, and made it. So I think it takes a mature racer to know like, no, that's a bad idea. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm getting older <laughs> definitely, but yeah, it's like, so, I mean, if I unpack like all that's been going through my mind, like these two weeks, um, I think this trip to Iceland changed things for me. Like I know, I realized that, yeah, I, as I said earlier, I've always wanted to do that, but I realize now that I can, you know, and it's like, for me, cycling is more than just world cup racing. Like I love world cup racing and I still want to try to win world cups in cyclocross this fall. Um, but also I find a lot of joy in exploring on my bike. I realized going to Iceland that, I mean, I feel like I know and I've seen more of Iceland and I've seen of like Albstadt, which I've gone like eight times, you know, just because I traveled a thousand kilometers on my bike in Iceland. I met people, I talked to people, I stopped to like experience a culture all while riding a thousand kilometers in four days. And for me, that was like, oh my God, my bike can be more than a tool for performance. It can be a tool for traveling, for meeting people for, and that was just, I mean, for me, that's something that I want to incorporate in what I'm doing now. And Mm -hmm. I think we're in a place now in an era of cycling where 
there's actually value there. Um, it's not just about racing. Like honestly, the the excitement that my sponsors had towards this trip to, high, to Iceland was incredible. Um, honestly, they, they support me in everything I do, but for this, like everyone was so excited. Um, and that's cool, you know, like it shows me that if I want to do stuff like that, there's a place for it and I can mm -hmm. do it. And so, so that was the first thing. And then the second thing, I mean, I was sick at home. Honestly, at first I even had like a little back injury that that's just because I'm getting old. I'm 29 and like, <laughs> oh, yeah. my back, I mean, I know it's not that old, but it's like, God, whew. anyway, little back injury. And then I had COVID and honestly, like I couldn't do anything like I, I had COVID bad and at first I'm like at first I was attached to that goal of going to nationals and then I thought like well <laughs> by this point like if I even if I go like I haven't ridden for like 10 days and then I'll go there like what are my chances of doing anything good and then if I go there I always I also basically miss a week of training because I'm away from home it's like two days of driving it's like this whole thing and I'm like, let's just, at this point, what I need, what I've been lacking this training period, like spring and summer is consistency. I, I like, I got, normally I'm, I'm lucky. Like I'm really consistent in training. Like I won't miss a day in like, maybe I miss one day in the full year of training because I'm sick, but that's it. Um, now, like this summer was like, okay, I had like two months, then I have to stop for three weeks then I have another good month then I have to stop for two weeks and that there was always something and I'm like at this point what I need is like training consistency and quality and for me like I know that this comes from being in a stable environment at home and like training and just like making this my priority and so I I just decided that it wasn't smart to like keep chasing a hundred goals and not not hitting any target, you know? So mm -hmm. I decided like, let's stay home first. Like let's focus on getting healthy because I can't train if I'm not healthy. So like, let's focus on that. Let's focus on then getting fit and without any pressure to race well soon. Um, because that makes you take different and sometimes bad decisions, you know? Uh, let's say if I had focused on going to nationals, as you were saying before, like I would have started training earlier when I wasn't healthy and then like, where does that bring me? Do I linger? Does the COVID linger even longer? So I just chose to like, okay, from, from that, from now on, like it's cyclocross. And so I'm putting all my eggs into cyclocross and yeah, even then, like it's a, like I had to accept that it is what it is. Like I'll be ready when I'll be ready. And normally I always come like flying at Rochester, which is the first race. But normally at this time of year, I'm already flying. Now I'm honestly really slow. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, that's fine. Like, how can I turn this into, I mean, honestly, there's nothing else I can do. So it's just like, okay, I accept it. And I try to not worry about it. And maybe I won't be flying at Rochester, but maybe, maybe I can still win. Maybe I can race differently. And maybe not being so fit in July, maybe that will help me to not get sick at Christmas and be better at Christmas. So, you know, like I'm trying to see the positive in it, um, mm -hmm. which is, as you said, something that I think comes with experience. Like, I don't think I would have had that uh, quote unquote wisdom when I like two years ago, but um, yeah, trying to learn, you know? Yeah. 
I love what you just mentioned about being home and training, because I think when a lot of people think about pros and they think about what they like should be doing as athletes who like want to achieve something, Mm -hmm. it's always this idea of like going to a training camp for like a week or two weeks or whatever. But I think what you just said about being home and like redeveloping that consistency and being in like those routines and habits, like that's the actual like pro thing. (laughs) Like that's where you make the big gains, right? Yeah. I mean, for me, yes, because there's, there isn't much distraction for me here at home. Like, I mean, yeah, like here I can have a consistency of like waking up at the time I want going to bed at eight 30. If I want every day eating exactly what I want to eat, uh, knowing exactly where I want to train for which type of training. Um, it's just easy. I don't have to you know, sometimes it, I, I agree sometimes with going on training camp, because if you go on training camp, sometimes like you have the absolute, like even less distraction. Some people have distractions at home, mm-hmm. but for, for me, no, like I, I chose to, like, I have a home where it's like pretty much we're here for training basically. So it's, yeah. I mean, for me, that that's, that's what consistency is. And it's not like the most exciting. It definitely isn't, but it works. And, and sometimes like that's, that's all you want. That's all you mm-hmm. need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the training camps, yeah, are like kind of the icing on the cake. They might get yeah. you like that little, like a few extra percentage points or certainly in the winter, obviously that, that makes yeah. sense, but yeah, I like this. Yeah. Um, okay. Now I want to come like way back and you and I talked about this at Belgian waffle ride, but your bike has this sticker on the top tube that says flip the switch. Yes. And I really want you to just like unpack that for, for this audience, because it is one of my like favorite things that I've seen all season. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks. I mean, all I I have to say, like shout out to specialized and Elena, uh, Elena Aker is the the designer for specialized that made the design. And she, I mean, she basically came up with the whole concept. Like we spoke on, we chatted about what, I mean, she asked questions about like how I feel before races, who I am as a person, who I am as a racer, like stuff like that. And she basically came up with that. And then so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, she was, she was awesome. And then she came up with that and the flip the switch is like in normal life, I like to be friends with everyone. Like, honestly, even at the race circuit, like I like the people I race with, you know, they're all interesting people. I want to be friends with them. But when it comes time to time to race, like I, that doesn't work. Like you can't just be friends with everyone during the race. You can't just like let everyone go and just be so kind. And so for me, like, this is a conscious decision and effort I have to make on the start line to like, okay, like in real life, I'm nice Magali. And now like, it's time to flip the switch and be racer Magali. And that means being aggressive and taking my space and my position on the peloton and like passing people and cutting people if I have to, but just like racing, you know? Um, but the flip the switch, that's what it is. It's like reminder to like, okay, now it's game on it's race time. Do you feel like it's actually helped you? Like, do you look down at it at the start and like, think about it? I do. Yeah, I I do. Because it's a good reminder. You know, when I'm on the start line, I usually try to think like, what are the concrete things that I am about to do now? Like, and usually it's things like, okay, I always remind myself to clip in like how I visualize where my pedal clips in. And then I think about the first few pedal strokes, the first turns, and then I have like a few keywords on like how what the mindset I need to approach this performance. And flipping the switch is one of them. It's like, okay, aggressive. Like, yeah. You know, so yeah. 
I love that because also everything you just said was in the first like minute of the race. So you're not, you know, at the start line thinking about the finish line, you're thinking about the next like actual action steps, which Mm -hmm. I think is really important because I think a lot of people are like on the start line, like kind of already like picturing the finish. (laughs) It's like, no, there's, there's a ways to go. There's a way. Yeah, there definitely is. And and I used to be like that. And now like I have like, I don't have a big routine before races or anything. But the one thing I'll do all the time is I take like two minutes to breathe and remind myself what I'm about to do. And this is where I remind myself like what I just shared with you. Um, like sometimes I do it in the core of the body or like wherever I can find like a place to just sit, close my eyes and chill. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, I mean, you have to like be in the moment and I do like have a few things that I, that are kind of concepts that I tell myself to like, as I said, like the flip the switch, like being aggressive, uh, maybe that day is like pass just because if you're not passing, you're being passed. So like, maybe that's one thing, or maybe it's like looking up because I know that if I look up, I usually make good decision. I ride better, you know, like little things like that, that are concept that I want to carry throughout the race, but definitely like there's a big focus on a few hundred meters in front of me. I love that. Um, and actually with, with all of the races on your schedule, how do you go about sort of setting more like global, like goals for the year goals for the season at this point in, in your career? Cause now there's such a, a broad scope. How do you mm-hmm. approach the whole year or do you do it season by season or are you just constantly sort of reassessing and like thinking next, next thing? Good question. Um, there's definitely, I mean, for cyclocross, it's easy for me to have goals. Like, I love this so much. And it's like, it, it, it is, no matter what else I'm doing, this remains the focus for me. Um, so, yeah, everything I do is usually according to the cyclocross season, making sure that I show up at the cyclocross season fit and healthy and excited. Um, then what goes around it, it, it kind of, to be honest, it's been changing a lot lately. Um, I, I did have big goals for the mountain bike and how I come up with goals is I'm kind of a dreamer. So like, it's, (laughs) I always have like those crazy ideas or goals. Um, now it's like after that, making it realistic, like creating a plan to make it realistic. But, but as much as I had big mountain bike goals, I realized after trying it, that it's very, ambitious and harder than I expected to balance those two disciplines and honestly for me three because gravel is part of um, much of my commitments with the sponsors and what I I said I would do Um, and mountain biking doesn't any mountain bike race that I do doesn't replace a gravel race it adds to the calendar Um, and I'm not I'm not based in Europe like that makes it harder, honestly, because I already use all my 90 days allowance in Europe to race cyclocross. So everything I add to mountain bike is I have to really calculate like when it is in the six months, like compared to cyclocross, like that's a logistical uh, kind of nightmare, honestly. Then there's the added expenses of going to Europe, the added, like, um, I mean, it's tiring going to Europe even more. So I realized that there's more to it than I expected and and it is a bigger challenge. And honestly, I don't know if for me, it's if, if, if I wanted enough to go through that, because what I'm realizing is that if I put that much effort into the mountain bike, my cyclocross is going to 
I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be hurt for it, you know, and, and at the end of the day, that's my true passion and my true dream. And I care too much about it to, to let it go. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so yeah, like it changes. And like now, you know, after doing that trip to Iceland, like I'm, I'm excited about that. So perhaps like my goals for next year will include some of that or include some of, yeah, I mean, maybe some big gravel race that I've actually really enjoyed doing. Um, so yeah, I guess like that's how it goes, but it cyclocross always is the priority. So I do everything around that. And then if I can have more goals around that, I mean, I, I do it, but it, it really is like, that's the main goal of my year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking of which, uh, I, I hesitate to say cross is coming since we are recording this in, in July, but cross is coming. Uh, it's coming. <laughs> so what's, uh, what's coming up for you with cyclocross you, before we hit record, you sort of hinted at like, couple new projects on the horizon. My favorite thing about you is that you always have like these new projects that all are like very like interrelated and interwoven, but there's always something like new and exciting that you're working on. And I (laughs) I respect that about you as a racer who like also actually really enjoys these like side things. No, thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, I love that. I told you I'm a dreamer and that that's but I think, I think one of my biggest strengths, but also my biggest problem, because I keep, <laughs> I, I keep coming up with like new projects and I dream about it. I get excited about it. And then, and then when you actually do it, it takes a lot of time and a lot of work, but it's, I rewarding. almost want to get like David on the podcast after this. Just yeah. To, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's exhausting. It, it, it is. But like, I mean, honestly, all of these are possible thanks to David because he helps me a lot with them. So yeah, I mean, what's coming up for cyclocross? Um, I'm excited for this season. I think they just announced that there will be a U.S. cyclocross series, which I'll be following. So there's four events, uh, four weekends, so eight races at, uh, in total for a U.S. cyclocross series. So I'll do that in North America and the two World Cups in North America. And then I'll fly to Europe. So mid-November, I'm going to Europe and I'll stay there until the World Championship. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I'm going to do nationals, unfortunately, this year. But it's just so difficult to travel to Victoria midway through the, the season and it's kind of hard like that that breaks my heart a little bit because I I really enjoy nationals and and seeing the Canadian community of cyclocross but at this point is I think it's unfortunately the way the calendar is done is either they make you they make you choose like they make you choose if you either want to be a national champion or do you want to perform on the world cup level and the way the calendar is done it is you can't really do both which is unfortunate for us but it is what it is Mm -hmm. Um, so that will be my season, but yeah, project wise, um, yeah, new podcast project. So probably like two different series that will bring people inside the world of cyclocross. So I can't tell you too much, but, um, it's going to be called, it's going to be a part of the fever talk podcast, which I already host, but it's going to be like a specific series called muddy Mondays. Um, which hopefully people can listen to the Monday morning after, um, after a cyclocross event, and then they can, yeah, just like dive into what is really a weekend. And hopefully, I mean, the goal is just to share the CX fever, you know, and share the excitement for cyclocross. And I think people who are passionate about cyclocross love hearing more. Uh, and if they're not passionate about cyclocross yet, I hope this, uh, brings them into the world of cyclocross. So, yeah. 
I mean, you can't help but get into it once once you start kind of meeting some of the personalities in it and, and getting to know everybody. Um, yeah. And you have been run, running Fever Talk for a while now. I saw you just had Katie Keogh on a, a bit yeah. ago. So what have, what have you learned from, from doing that podcast? Like, have you had any like great revelations or any like uh, favorite guests? A lot of, I mean, I, I'm very curious. So I love asking questions to people. Um, I think that's what I got out of it. Like it, it's just, I think it's an opportunity to have deeper conversations with people that, you know, you see and you know, but when do you really have time to sit down for an hour to chat with someone and, and really ask the question that, that you want, that like th- that you're wondering and just have like these conversations. Like that's what I love the most. Um, I have realized that I really, I really enjoy that. Like as much as it is work, like I enjoy creating if you want like that kind of that kind of content and simply having the conversations but sharing them with people um I think I realized that I love like that media side of of things um and I love thinking about who I want to have next like I have like such a long list of like on my notepad of like people that I want to talk to and like questions that I want to ask them. Um, so for me, it really is based on curiosity. Like that, that's where it all started. And that's, I think that's the basis of it all, but yeah, I just love it. I think that maybe who knows, like it started at just like a little project, but maybe one day it will turn into something that I want to do when I retire, who knows, you know, but it's just, it, I really, really enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And I think for, for someone who spends so much of the year sort of bouncing from, from place to place. And like you say, like you, you develop these, these friendships or these like close ties with these people who are in, in the cyclocross world, but then mm-hmm. we just like, don't see them for, for half the year. So this is such a good way to kind of stay connected with them. Yep. I, even at mountain bike nationals, we saw a couple of the mechanics that I haven't seen in two and a half years because, you know, we haven't been traveling as much and it it was just so nice to see yeah. some, some faces again and be like, oh, it okay. is. It, it, totally, <laughs> it totally is. And it's, I, for me, like, it's fun to hear um, where the passion of these people come from too. Like, cause yes, I talk to a lot of the athletes cause it's the people I have the most proximity with maybe, but races are race organizers are really interesting. Mechanics are really interesting. Like why, I mean, business owners too, from the cycling interesting, like they're in, they're in, from the cycling industry, sorry, they're interesting. Like everyone has a story. And I think if you take time to ask simple questions to people, you get to know the stories and their why and like who they really are. And for me, that's, that's like where that that's interesting. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm annoying. Like if you come to have, (laughs) if if you have dinner with me, like I'll ask a thousand questions, but just because I am, I, I am, like genuinely curious to know more about you. Like that's what I I love to know people and to to get to, yeah, know their quirks, what what they like, what they, and and if you, I notice that if you touch on something that someone is passionate about, that's where like the magic comes from. That's where the the stars in their eyes like light up, and that's where you really see the true people shine like like how they really shine as a person and and for me that's that's the magic like I I love getting that out of people and just um getting that energy I guess it it really is energizing for me 
Mm-hmm. I love it. And obviously we'll, we'll link to that podcast in the show notes. Uh, before I let you go though, I actually wanted to ask you this question. I should have asked earlier. Uh, you've been traveling so much, which means flying with your bike kind of constantly and just being on the road all the time. What are like a couple of your best, just practical travel tips? Yeah. Realize it's kind of like an odd one to end on, but I feel like if someone knows how to handle traveling with their bike, yeah. it's you at this point. So, um, I mean, there are a f- actually a few tricks. Um, so first, I usually pack my bike in an Evoc bike uh, bike bag. Uh, I think they're really great. I use the Evoc Pro, which are which are a bit bigger. Um, they're nice because I mean, I've put two cyclocross bikes with two set of wheels in them. If you need, and they're they're ma- they're made for one, but it fits with two. Um, one big trick is keep your shoes and helmet in a carry on bag if you can. Because there's always ways to borrow a bike or rent a bike or something. But if you have your helmet and shoes, at least like that's one thing less you have to worry about. And shoes are a tricky thing to borrow, like your with your placement of cleats and stuff. So shoes and helmet in the carry-on bag. I always have some running shoes in my carry-on bag too, because if the bike doesn't show up, I can at least go for a jog, go for a run. Um, and then you still... I, it doesn't hinder your performance if you skip like a spin if but if you've already like if you if you've even at, at least jog um so that's that's a few those are a few tricks um those are the first one that comes to mind uh, I, I always this. try to put I put my foam roller I travel with like a travel foam roller when I travel I put the foam roller in the rear triangle of the bike so like I squeeze it in and that way you just the, diminish the chances of like the rear triangle breaking because of compression. Uh, So that's one thing that I always do. Um, I love that. That is so smart. That's a good one. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. Uh, Before we, before we let you go, let everyone know where they can find you follow along with all of the, all of the things, all of the things. Uh, All right. So there's on Instagram, um, Mag Rush, it's kind of my, my name, my full name is Magali Rochette. So my Instagram is M-A-G-H-R-O-C-H. Um, then I also have a newsletter, which I send within 12 hours of each race, which you can uh, subscribe to if you want. You can subscribe to on my website. So if you go to magalierochette.com, there's a button that you can just subscribe. Like that's the first thing you'll see when you get on the website. And yeah, the podcast is Fever Talk. So that's fever, like the cyclocross fever and talk like like I'm doing now. So fever talk. <laughs> I love it so much. And yeah, I feel like I've said it so many times when I've talked about being a good sponsored athlete, but that newsletter that you send out like right after the race is something that I've referenced so many times as like, this is what you should be doing as a professional <laughs> racer. Like I always cite you as like the example of this is what a good pro racer is doing for their sponsors. So, <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. And it's not just cheesy. It's not like cheesy for your sponsors stuff. Like every, every piece of content you put out, I just love because it is very like well thought out. It's, it's very sponsor correct, but it's also very useful and helpful and increases the cyclocross fever. So you're you're doing awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's nice to hear because I'll be honest, like, I don't always want to write it. I usually write it as we drive back home after the race. So it's like, it's still fresh in my mind. Like usually I think of it. Like when I go in the shower after the race, I like think about it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to say this and that. And then I write it down and I don't always feel like doing it. But the the really cool thing I've noticed is that 
for me, it's a way to process the race too, you know, by writing it down. And it turns out that everyone can see how I process it because like it's, it sometimes it's so raw. Like I don't even reread it. Like I write it as it comes out of my head and that's it. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy, it turns out like as much as I don't always want to do it, I enjoy doing it because yeah, it helps me kind of clear my thoughts around the race. So thank you for the nice words. I appreciate it. Of course. Now I'm curious. Do you ever like read your own newsletter like two days later and you're like, oh, that was how I felt about well, that. I do actually <laughs> do sometimes or like I'll, what I do though, like, cause I write down like the gearing that I use and the pressure and stuff like that. Um, so sometimes a year later I go back. I'm like, oh, what was this race about? Like, how was it won? How did I feel? How was it? What was it about? And I go read it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I know. Like, it's fresh in my mind now. Like, I can, I can go and I feel ready to do it. So I, I actually do use it for, for my own pre- preparation. So good. Oh my God. <laughs> awesome. Well, Megaly, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for Thanks making this happen. And I'm so glad you're feeling better. Oh God, finally. <laughs> I mean, that COVID really... Phew, it's worth wearing the mask. I mean, to be honest, like I had kind of slowed down on like all these things, but damn, it sucked to be six. It, it really hit me. So hopefully no one gets hit that much, but uh, yeah, it feels good to, to be healthy finally. Amazing. Awesome. Well, hopefully Thank I'll you see so much. you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Any, you're welcome on here any, anytime. Thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the consummate athlete podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox. 